0: This athletic podcast is brought to you by Bet365, the world's favourite online betting company. By downloading the Bet365 app, you can access both pre-match and in-play markets, along with instant match updates for all games. The Bet365 Bet Builder also allows you to make personalised bets via the app, so you can bet on multiple scenarios and correct your own bet with unique odds right there in your hand. Bet365 is the world's favourite online betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play, and the Apple App Store, over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome to From the Rookery End, brought to you by The Athletic. My name is John and with me is Mike. Hello, John. We are here for the preview podcast. Uh, We're going to chat about uh, the upcoming game against Leicester. Uh, We are going to chat to our opposition correspondent, Rob Tanner, The Athletic's Leicester City correspondent. So, Mike, the big news, the coronavirus. It's not quite everywhere, but the talk is everywhere. So at the moment, uh, the Watford game is on. And uh, we'll all be off to Vickridge Road at half past 12 to see them play Leicester City but
1: our whatsapp group it certainly became a topic of conversation i mean there's absolutely no escaping it is there it's been the most talked about thing up and down the country well not just up and down the country the who have obviously announced it's a pandemic so throughout the world it's the it's the most important uh, topic on on everyone's lips and i think the important thing to remember is is that obviously we're not experts about uh, about this sort of thing i'm not even expert about Watford. i hear everyone everyone crying but uh, <laughs> we're certainly not experts about viruses and about how pandemic spread so i think what the most important thing we need to focus on is the fact that whatever needs to happen to stop this spreading and to stop it having an impact on people's lives when it doesn't need to needs to be done whatever is deemed to be the correct course of action i think we need to support and get behind it football is not more than life and death at the end of the day it is obviously absolutely important to it's vital to all of us Um, It's a huge part of all of our lives, but we all know people or have people in our family who would potentially be affected by, by this virus. And therefore, the most important thing is dealing with it as effectively and quickly as possible. And I think that has to be the first point of call. That has to be the first target for absolutely everyone, whether you're a football supporter, whether you're not a football supporter, whether you're a Watford supporter or a Liverpool supporter. It doesn't matter. The most important thing is to do what's right to stem the spread of this virus and to keep as many people healthy and safe as possible.
0: But the conversation we ended up having, uh, thanks to Geordie for starting this, by the way, uh, was what would you do if the season was cancelled? um i know this is a bigger topic of conversation maybe a bit nearer in italy and it, it was a topic of conversation uh, on our whatsapp group uh, last night thanks geordie for starting that by the way uh, and of course it comes that there's three options that sort of came out and, and we were discussing which one we preferred and which one we would would be glad or, or not glad to do first one is to finish the season off behind closed doors the second one is to stop the season completely and uh, like freeze it and take it for wherever you are in the league at this point, and that's where you finish, or to delay to stop the season and delay the
1: finishing of it until it's, we're able to in a few months' time. The, the stopping now and it, stop the music and everyone gets off is completely inappropriate for a whole host of reasons. I think it'd be far too complicated um, to... Can you imagine the legal balance? For, for, quite apart from anything else, Aston Villa have played fewer games than us. So for them to be stuck on the points they are now when they haven't had the same opportunity to accrue more points than the rest of the division is, is obviously un, unfair on them. I just think there's... That is a Pandora's box that, that would just be I'd be absolutely astonished if they they stopped the season now, and that's and that's the the, the standings where everyone are now stood. I, I just can't see it. I can't for one minute imagine that to be the case. So I think that leaves us with two um, two potentially feasible options. One is to to play behind closed doors, and the other is to postpone. Now the the issue with postponing it is that we all know, and you made the point, John you know football is far too crammed the calendar is is too busy there's no room for error and is that that leaves a lot to be desired from the football administrators and i make you right on that point but if obviously it's postponed put back you've got the european championships coming this summer which to make matters worse is across multiple european cities you've got european tournaments you've got leagues starting at different times you've got the transfer window to to consider you've got when people's contracts start and end uh, you've got the world cup uh, next uh, you know to to come as well so uh, pushing it back it causes so many so many issues i mean part of me does think having said what i said with my initial answer that the most important thing is to deal with the with the virus and perhaps the best way of doing that in, and focusing the mind it is just to, to draw a line for now and say right we're, we're putting everything on the shelf we'll worry about it later because quite frankly everyone in the world has got more important things to worry about and we'll and we'll kick it down the can and see, see what happens later down the road but I just think there's too many vested interests and I think there's too much money I'm not saying these these are a reason not to do it but I think the reality is UEFA will be lobbying for it not to happen FIFA will be lobbying it for lobbying it for it not to happen. There'll be players who want their who want their their futures tied up uh, at Watford and of course uh, elsewhere. We'll go on to talk about contracts later. I know, but so the, I, I just think there's so much, so many reasons not to push it down. It's not they're not right, but I think there's so many powerful voices and so many people and 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 people with vested interests that will that will p- potentially make sure that the season. Isn't postponed? Isn't isn't pushed back later down just because of the the difficulties and the practicalities and the logistics involved in that? And and I think personally the most sensible thing to do. And I know a lot of people don't agree with this. I've had a lot. We've had a lot of pushback in there, in our WhatsApp group alone, which isn't which isn't a, uh, a surprise to me. I, I'm used used to getting shouted down by the rest <laughs> of you, absolute uh, donuts. But uh, it, it just play it by but behind closed doors. I think that way you can manage the players. You can manage the the staff. You know. Um, you can test them and then you can make sure that they they adhere to protocols the the the, sh- the few amount of people that are, would be allowed into the ground would also be subject to protocols and that would get the the get that would get the season finished it would tie up any loose ends because obviously Watford have got a lot of uh, games at home against winnable opposition are we giving away our our, our home advantage well yes and the other big one um, that was the the hot topic of conversation am- amongst us was was the financial impact it would have on not just clubs in the premier league in fact, they're not the ones we worry about. But further down the leagues, where um, match day revenue is so so important, and it is, it is at Watford as well. You know, they generate a, a decent amount of income on a on a daily basis, on a on a weekly basis, on a match day, and they will have budgeted accordingly for that. So you take away the crowd, um, not only does it take away the spectacle, but perhaps more more importantly, it, it takes away a lot of money for for a, a huge amounts of clubs. So. All three answers are, are problematic. Is, yeah. that, is that the most sensible answer I've ever given? I think so. I think
0: end? so. I mean, I like to, to think about it. Like I say, I don't think that the games are going to be cancelled uh, this week. So we're going to only be left with eight... Maybe if it's a bit longer, seven games left to go. If you play a Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, we've done it in three to four weeks. We can catch up. You get rid of an international break, you can make it up another one. You get rid of uh, one of the rounds of the League Cup, there you go, that's another week we've made up. It's easy to make it up on this few games left. This isn't two months. This isn't like you know fifth, half a season left to go. This is only, let's say, eight games left to go and easily, easily done. But the health of the nation is far more important.
2: A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end.
0: But you did talk about one point there, Mike. You talked about the, the fact that contracts, you know, they end in June, uh, often, before the start of pre-season. Uh, and on The Athletic, uh, Adam had a, a piece this week about some uh, some secret Watford contracts that have been signed. It certainly seems that the club don't want to go uh, shouting about something quite positive when things aren't 100% positive in terms of the league, but particularly talked about Pearson's contract uh, and Deeney's contract and and, and Foster's contract, which sort of gets you back to the the, the most important players that we need to keep. We often talk about what we want in and who we want out on this podcast, but not necessarily who we, we desperately
1: need to keep. It's an interesting piece by Adam on the Athletic, wasn't it, earlier this week? And it does it does focus the mind again as to how important whatever happens at the end of this season is, because next season is going to be a very very interesting and important one for Watford, one way or the other. And and like you say, John, keeping those key players at the club or key key personnel, if you like, at the club is going to be absolutely absolutely vital. And it's what it, what it's done for me. It's sort of it, not jarring. That's the wrong word, but it's sort of. Um, kick-started me back into thinking about other things other than football. I've been so sort of um, trained on what's happening on the pitch and what's happening with other teams and uh, and so on and so forth. Whereas actually, and, and you forget all the other work that's going on at the uh, on at the football club behind the scenes. So it's a timely article, by Adam? I think to to look at this, and I think the one that really stands out which might might surprise you i think obviously nigel pearson's future is is important and that of troy's is, is absolutely vital as well but it's it looks like adams reporting that that ben foster has been offered a, an extra year's contract with an option for another year which i think is you know two years for for ben foster who is is not showing any signs of sl- slowing down but i think that's that shows the the importance that he has to to Watford, doesn't it? And how important he's been to to Watford this season. You can argue all you like about the defensive um, mistakes we've made throughout the season, but what we can say with with certainty is that without Ben Foster, we'd have been in a in a lot more uh, dire straits than, than we are now. So, really pleased to see that uh, it looks like Ben Foster certainly has the option of staying if he uh, if he chooses to.
0: But the Pearson thing, Adam says, even the most ruthless owner, of which Gino Pozzo has the ability to be, would struggle to find a reason to part company with Pearson if he achieves his sole objective of maintaining Premier League football. But I suppose it's that thing of, even if he does, would he want to stay and move on? Has he done enough? But it feels like, no, I think Nigel, you know, he hasn't had a, a, a job in English football for a couple of years, uh, done and started something fantastic and we wouldn't want him to move on too quickly. Oh, this sounds like something we said about uh, a certain Portuguese uh, <laughs> manager not that long ago. But he also mentioned that uh, the, the secret ones or the ones that the club haven't particularly uh, talked about yet because it's not the time to to, to shout about new new signings. One is a new contract for Kiko, Cabaselli, which I think we have heard about, uh, Daryl Yanmat and also Daniel Barkman.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I have to pick you up on, on Pearson. I think we should keep... I'm going to lay, lay my colours to the mast. I think that, that Nigel Pearson has done more than enough to to, to earn, his, earn his stay at Watford, regardless of what's happened. He turned round an absolute stinking run of, run of form that, that, that went on for far too long. Uh, and the, the results that he's delivered have been, have been really good. And, you know, we've talked before on the podcast about whether he's presided over the best performance in Watford history. Um, add that into to wins against Man United and Wolves and, and decent performances elsewhere. The the way he carries himself, which I think we know is important to to Watford, how he handles himself in the media, I think has been a, a breath of fresh air for us as Watford supporters to hear that, you know, clear, concise, and and honest and authentic um, feedback from him. So. I'd be very, very disappointed if whether we stay up, whether we go down, whether Nigel Pearson didn't stay at the club. Obviously, he may well have done enough to to, to earn uh, the admiring glances from other other clubs. So we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, those four an interesting an interesting uh, quartet. Kiko, I think, has obviously struggled with injuries. As has Daryl Yanmat, So it's nice for them to. It, it looks like they're going to be rewarded with with contract extensions. I think Yanmat has been has had a tough time of it, hasn't he? He's been in and out of favour. As has Kiko, I suppose, really since he arrived. None of them have had a a real. Concerted run, but both have shown how valuable they are, um, and and are both exciting exciting players down that right side. And I think it's it's right that we reward those with with contracts. Christian Cabaselli I maintain, is a is a magnificent uh, centre back. I think if he can cut out those occasional lapses of concentration that, that he seems to have, I think they've become less and less and he's he's looked more and more the, the complete centre-back and I've got absolutely no qualms about about naming him as a as a centre-back uh, in the Premier League I think he's an absolute super-player and we, it'd be remiss of us not to try and keep hold of him and and Daniel Backman, I think the the goalkeeping issue is, is one that's interesting and has raised a few eyebrows this year because when it was announced that, that Aurelio Gomez we love him all, we don't need to go back over that, I think he's a great guy to have around the, the club, have we seen, and he's probably doing great work with uh, Joao Pedro. How I wonder if he might come in against Leicester, by the way, but I wonder if he might have a, a role to play this weekend. So he's obviously doing a role, a sort of player liaison role with the with guys like uh, Joao Pedro. But I was surprised that neither Daniel Backman or Pontus Dahlberg weren't ratcheted up the, um, up the list a little bit more. So the way Watford have treated Backman, who, who I think had a decent he was at Kilmarnock wasn't he? he was on loan and I think they spoke very highly of him there and I thought he might come in as as number two. So they looks like they might be recognising him as, as one for the future and, and, and may well have promised him number two next season. So yeah, fascinating to be reminded by this piece that all this work has to still go on. All we have to do as supporters is worry about the results what's going on at the club is there's so many other stuff you know we've mentioned the coronavirus um, and now we're talking about contracts and that's just two massive issues but they you know that's not even the half of, of what the guys are having to deal with at the, at the club so it's yeah, I think it's an interesting reminder as to all the different moving parts all the different cogs that have to be moving in the right direction to keep a football club Operational and in the in the Premier League, but th- all those players, I think, I'd keep them in a keep them in a heartbeat. So yeah, pleased to uh, pleased to pleased to read about that.
0: Next up for the Hornets uh, is a home game against Leicester, half past twelve kickoff on Saturday. Uh, almost forgot about that, Mike. I always get caught out by such things. Like yeah. A bit earlier on, Mike and I caught up with Rob Tanner, the Leicester correspondent for the Athletic, and also host of their podcast Five Thousand to One. And of course, we had to start by asking him about. That Deeney goal.
1: We're the Orns, you're the Orns. Come on, you Orns!
0: So, Rob, let's start with the, a big moment for us. And I always wonder, after all the success and all the things that Leicester went on to, uh, where does it sit? You know, Deeney's goal, it, it will go down forever in Watford's history. Is it going to go down
2: forever in Leicester's hell? Oh absolutely yeah anybody who was there that experienced that it's the most astonishing thing I've ever seen in football and uh, I know it was uh, so bitterly disappointing I mean I know grown men Leicester fans for, for for life that ended up in tears that day you know it hit them that hard but I think in the grand scheme of things when you look back retrospectively it was um, probably the making of that uh, Leicester side that went on to dominate the championship the next season but what an extraordinary sequence of events in any football match the world, it was just extraordinary.
1: Rob, do you think sitting here today with Watford in the Premier League, Leicester as champions, uh, played in the Champions League? Obviously, I'm pretty sure none of that would happen if that if that goal hadn't gone in. So, with hindsight, are you able to sort of look back at it with a wry smile, or is it really still one of those moments that you'd, you'd prefer to get? Would it would it really go in Leicester City hell? I think for Leicester fans, it
2: will always hurt um, the manner of that moment, really. But uh, I suppose when you look back on it again, though, now, after everything that's happened to Leicester City and everything they've achieved since then, you could argue it was the making of them in many ways. I mean, that day there, Jamie Vardy, Danny Drinkwater and Harry Kane on the substitute bench. You know, you couldn't have had much more quality about them. And the way the game went as well, you know, you felt... I certainly felt sitting in the the, the old condemned stand yeah, yeah. that only the only the media could frequent that um it was gonna be Leicester's day, especially when uh, Anthony was given Anthony Knockhart was given that penalty which was, was never should have been given. Uh but then, you know, a f- few seconds later go to the other end and it's Troy Deeney the man that Leicester have loved to have signed in you know, in the past that um delivered the killer blow and what incredible scenes! I think Gianfranco Zola—that must be the pinnacle of his managerial career, because hasn't been too many highlights since, has there? No, no not no. at all. But so, so that that that
0: moment there, you sort of said about, about you know wanting to sign Troy. That was you know we're not we're not
2: journalists and stuff. We hear rumours. Was that a strong one then? Did did Leicester want him? Yeah, they'd been looking at him for a number of years. They were looking for that sort of target man um, figure, and and actually it was. Um, the season after they won the the title that they really pushed for him, and they made several bids for him and uh, uh, Troy got a new contract out of that and uh, uh, but to Watford stood uh, firm on you know the fact that they weren't going to sell their talisman at the time because he was such an important player for them, and they went off and signed Islam Slomani And uh, in hindsight, wow, well, that was a bit of a you know a bit of a rum deal for them, really. I mean, if they'd got Troy Deedy then who knows uh, what they could have achieved in the uh, the se- subsequent se- season. But um, they got Slomani in, and it didn't really qu- quite work out. But it, that that interest was very very genuine.
1: Lots of links, Rob, between that that Leicester side and, and Watford. Obviously, I remember uh, a rather confused-looking Lloyd Dyer sat on the uh, sat on the bench. He ended up at Watford and didn't do very well. And, and of course, uh, Nigel Pearson and, and, and Craig Shakespeare went on to have an incredible time at um, at the King Power. Are you surprised at how things are, are turning out for, for Nigel and Craig Shakespeare at, at Watford?
2: I can't say I'm surprised at all because that's the perfect scenario for him to go in there, you know, aside... A squad that is obviously underperforming that just needs motivating and organizing, and obviously it 's not that it was never the, the 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 move that you would have predicted for watford 's board uh, if you look at their managerial interchanges over the years they 've um, they 've really booked the trend in terms of uh, the, this idea that stability is is needed for success because they 've changed managers so frequently but still done very very well relatively um, but they were really in the mire and um Having you know experienced Nigel over two spells at Leicester, I know what he can do. I can I know that he can galvanise players. He can get them motivated, get them playing for him, uh, get them organised. And he, he simplifies the game plan as well, which I think is really key. So they go out every game knowing exactly what is required from them on that day. And Troy Deeney's playing a pivotal role in that as well because the game plan is simple for them.
1: It's interesting you mentioned Rob that Watford are, are obviously underperforming. With that in with that in mind, what's the view a amongst the the Leicester supporters and, and b in the uh, in the Leicester City camp ahead of the of the weekend? How are they? How will they approach this game? Because it's it's quite an important one for for Leicester as well, isn't it? Exactly, you know, we get into the business end of the season where you know obviously
2: Watford need the uh, points for survival and Leicester need the points to secure that Champions League spot and uh, I think they would have looked at that performance against Liverpool the only side to have beat Liverpool in the league this season they will not underestimate this Watford side they will know they're going to be in for a real scrap at the weekend, you know, they've got to be well drilled, well organised. They've got to believe in what they're doing as well because Brendan likes them to play a certain way, and I know Nigel's sides will try and disrupt that uh, from the front to the back. So it's going to be um, a keenly contested game. There's been mixed results at uh, Vicarage Road over the years. Um, obviously, you know, you mentioned that one, that was really uh, a body blow. For Leicester fans, but the next year they went back and uh, uh, did quite well in the promotion season. Then Riyad Mahrez scored the uh, the winner there uh, during the title winning season. So it's it's been mixed blessings at Vicarage Road. But I think they're in no doubts. It's going to be a tough afternoon.
1: And uh, I read with interest Rob your piece on the Athletic about a Leicester's blip. You described it. as I think it's since December time, wasn't it? Really, where where the uh, performances. Altered a little bit and, and weren't going quite as well as, as you'd hoped. Thumping win against against Villa last time out. Would you say the blip is over or is there still a little bit of doubt there? Oh, no, I think um, you couldn't say it's
2: completely over. You know, you've got to back that sort of performance and result up. I mean, Villa were the perfect side to play at that time but, uh, because since the um, Caribou Cup, victory's over Leicester in the semi-final and then the uh, the final. They've been shocking in the league and they're so poor defensively on the day that it was the perfect game for Leicester to to build some confidence ahead of the game against Watford but it's been an interesting time for Leicester Um, the first half of the season was fantastic I mean the the incredible run they went on Vardy's goal spree as well but then they lost Vardy to three niggling injuries since the new year he's been back and forth but not been the same player Wilfred Ndidi who's so pivotal for how they play sitting in front of the uh, back four as well they lost him and that was crucial as well the number of players lost form as well likes of Tielemans and Ben Chilwell VAR decisions that were going for them at the start of the season weren't going for them you know when you look at the Villa game in the semi-final of the Caribou Cup and the De Bruyne handball against Man City that went uh, for them again uh, the other night with the uh, Tyrone Mings handball and Jamie Vardy came on and scored a couple Harvey Barnes scored a couple he he looks like he's going to provide some goals so the reliance isn't going to be solely on Vardy so they might have turned a corner but you know you've got a back-up performance and a victory like that
1: one, one of the players I've heard talked about a lot, Rob, is, is Pereira, the, at, at, at right back there. Leicester fans cooing over him for, for most of the season. Um, is there anyone else, and so I've read your piece about him on the Athletic as well, so any Watford fans wanting to do any scouting can check, check that piece out on the Athletic. But is there anyone else, we all know about Jamie Vardy, we know about some of the other chaps you've mentioned, but there are there any, any other players that, that Watford fans should be aware of um, going into this weekend to, to keep an eye on?
2: Um, well, obviously, the, the, the tried and trusted core of that team is Johnny Evans, Nididi and Vardy. But um, I think Harvey Barnes's form, obviously, they're going to look at him because he will attack the full-back. Um, he's got no fear for a youngster. But a, a young lad that came in for Ben Chilwell, who was injured um, the other night, is James Justin. Now, you haven't seen him. He's only made two appearances in the Premier League. He was. where he's from,
1: though, Rob, unfortunately.
2: Uh, yeah, from Luton. And um, I I actually covered... He's returned to Luton with Leicester in the Caribou Cup and sat next to his dad uh, as he came uh, revisited his former club and scored that night. And that was quite an emotional thing for his dad. His dad was in tears watching that. But uh, he played ever so well at left-back the other night and he's a a right-footed player as well, but he's used to playing left-back because he's done that a number of times at Luton. I think he might retain his place at uh, Vicarage Road and I think um, he'll be an interesting one to watch on the day.
1: And he'll, if that's the case, he'll come up against Ismail Asar Rob. Are there any, um, if you were going to t- handle the, the, um, for the, the team talk ahead of the game are there any Watford players that you'd tell uh, the Leicester players to look out for it's the collective you've got to watch out for because their spirit is so high
2: this is a typical Nigel Pearson side now you know as 1-11 to 11, their spirits will be high they'll be up for the battle they'll be up to the fight you've got to win your individual contest first then play your football under Brendan Rodgers they like to play it from the back they like to play the nice pretty football they like to have a little bit of time on the ball certainly James Madison does but they're not a, a big physical side you take Nadidi out you take the Asuncu and Evans out. Set pieces, they're not brilliant sometimes, and uh, you know they're certainly outnumbered in terms of height. But um, you know they like to play. So if Watford get amongst them, um, it could be an interesting afternoon for some of the flair players that Leicester have got.
0: Thank you very much, Rob, and actually thank you for everyone who's sort of uh, giving feedback on this brand new style podcast we're doing on a Thursday, and how much you're enjoying hearing from the Athletic correspondents. Remember to read anything that they write and anything that Adam writes and everything that's great on the Athletic. Uh, you can go to the Athletic.com forward slash Rookery End, uh, where you can uh, subscribe uh, and get a forty percent discount. But do take the seven day trial first, so you can see if you like what you're going to consume
1: Mike are you you happy ahead of Leicester John, what a ridiculous question! You know me; I'm never happy. <laughs> never happy. I, what I like about this game is that the the pressure is slightly off. Leicester are coming off the back of a of a thumping wind. I've got faith in the guys. I have faith in this team. I have faith in Nigel Pearson. So I'm looking forward to a to, to a decent performance. They'll have learnt some lessons from the weekend. I think uh, we talked about it in the in the podcast, which is still available, which was out last last Monday after the after the Palace game. I'm confident they'll have learnt lessons. I'm confident in the quality. Yes, I am happy, actually, John. Thank you for asking. I'm looking forward to it.
0: (laughs) Thank you very much for your time, Mike. More
1: than welcome. It's always a pleasure.
0: Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check out all the lovely stuff on The Athletic, both about Watford, the Premier League and the wider world of football. And depending on how things play out, we'll be back after the Leicester game. If it doesn't go ahead, we'll let you know our plans. But we're sure you'll all agree that at this time, the most important thing is that our fellow Hornets Football fans and family stay fit and healthy. Whatever happens, look after each other and come on your hands. <laughs>